Well, good evening, all seasons. It is so good to see you as we wrap up this um, final study that we have on hearing the voice of God. We've had a lot of fun walking through. We've kind of called this hearing aids is the, is the title we've kind of used in our Bible study, just hearing aids. And so um, I want to also reiterate that on Sunday mornings during the Sunday school class, if you're not part of a Sunday school class yet, uh, Pastor Bradley uh, each week over this series is going in and during Sunday school breaking this down and going even further on all these points that I'll be bringing up. So uh, what I can do in just this amount of time, he's going to take it and go even further and, and answer questions and just have a, a like a powwow. Hey, let's talk about what we just learned on Wednesday night. So it gives you a chance to repeat it, gives you a chance to, if there was any questions, he'll be able to answer. And uh, so it's a good way to not just, because teaching uh, one writer told me years ago, and, and I've heard this several times, that you haven't heard it until you've listened to it five times. Until you've heard it five times, you really have not listened to that teaching or to that word. So you need to do more than just, ooh, I, I got that. And then two weeks later, yeah, I remember something about that. It, it helps to repeat it. So if you haven't got a class, you're not plugged in at 930 on Sunday mornings, that's a great one that you can be a part of, and you'll be repeating and kind of just reiterating and discussing this, this topics right here. So... All right, so we've been on the voice of God, hearing aids. We started off by just breaking down the fact that hearing aids are designed not to help your hearing. It does not improve your hearing. It doesn't, it doesn't correct hearing problems. It just simply amplifies the noise that's coming. It just makes it easier or louder to understand. So when we're praying, God, help me to hear, help me to hear, it's really not accurate because Jesus said it this way, those who have ears to hear. So in other words, if you have the capacity to hear it, if you have that, then you'll understand what I'm saying. And so many times we're like, I get these questions. I know if pastors get them thousands of times and I'm sure I'm just one of them that, that pastor lot, I just can't, I just struggle hearing God's voice. I struggle hearing God's voice. I just struggle it. Well, it's not the fact that God is not talking, as we talked about last week, and we used uh, some science and talked about the string theory, and uh, so you got your science lesson in, how they're studying the string theory all the way back from uh, all the different scientists before, and, 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 and we're not going to reiterate all of that, but just basically it breaks down to they're trying to get inside of atoms, neutrons, electrons, protons, because they believe that there is a string that connects them all. That basically, like you would play a guitar and somebody hits a certain chord, well, all of those atoms that hear that chord create metal. And all of those atoms that hear that chord create water. And all that, well, as we studied, that's real simple because that's the voice of God. It's not complicated. Just like the Big Bang Theory, we, it's not that we're anti-science. It's that science goes to that point, but since it starts with the premise that there is no God, it gets to that end, that edge, and says, we just don't have enough information to tell you the rest. Well, yeah, you do. The Big Bang Theory, there was two nothings that collided. We call that the voice of God. God spoke, and he spoke it, and that was the bang that the, that the nothing in this world heard. When it comes to atoms moving and collecting and how all that works, that's God's voice. When we hear about the six days of creation, and God spoke, and it was light, and God spoke, and water separated. This is what we, we studied, and we dealt with that last week, and 
And that's a great study, but tonight I want us to move on because we got all the way, there are seven hearing aids that you can use, and we started with the first one, and we got all the way to the very first, so we got six of them to go tonight to wrap it up. So we understood that Scripture was the very first thing. Go with me in John, John 10, verse 27, use our main Scripture, and and we'll jump off into the second through the seventh. Is that okay? All right. So, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. It's real simple. Sheep are, are just really, I mean, God could not have picked a dumber species to say, this is who I'm going to compare y'all to. And it wasn't that he was trying to embarrass us. He's trying to say the simplicity of following me, even a sheep, even, even a, a lowly sheep can do this. Because a sheep has the ability to recognize my voice, and a sheep will follow it. That's just that simple. And another voice, one they don't recognize, they're skittish, so they're going to run, and they're going to run away from it, and they're going to hide, and they're not going to follow it. So he, he breaks this down into this simple mindset, and so we understand that through Scripture, we have this ability to hear God better. We have the ability, according to 2 Timothy, 2 Peter, is ones we studied last week. Now, number two, so let's bust off into the next. I've got six of them to go. Number two is the Holy Spirit. The second hearing aid that you have in your life is the Holy Spirit. And I know that we have taken the Holy Spirit and we have transitioned the Holy Spirit into a show. And we have transitioned the Holy Spirit into just this power or this, this, this just ability to do supernatural. And, and that is part of Him. But let me explain very carefully. The reason we're having trouble in our churches is not because we don't have powerful services. I can carry you to most Pentecostal churches. I can carry you to most holiness churches. I can carry you to most. And they're going to have powerful services. All of them. That's what they're geared toward. Moving the Holy Spirit doing what? Moving in our spirit. The Holy Spirit moving in our presence. And nothing wrong with that. That is powerful. I still like it. I don't want to do it in Sunday. I like that. But understand, that is the most insignificant part of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we've majored on. And we wonder why our people leave the church and, and we have messed up church people, messed up lives. And we're like, how can you be in that kind of service? How can you be slain in the spirit? How can you go through all of that and then all of a sudden walk out the door and, and in 10 minutes change the radio station and be back on country and, and, and everything else? And it's like, what happened? What did we do wrong? We didn't do anything wrong. The problem was we misused what the spirit was designed for. Go with me in your Bibles to John 14 and 25. And so let's just listen to what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. 14 and 26, my bad. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will do what? Will teach you all things. That's his job. When Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, it's great that he moves and it's great. But listen to me. When he comes, his main purpose, his main job is to teach you all things. That means he's doing what? He's talking. He's speaking in your life. He's speaking when you walk out of the building. He's speaking when you get in your car. He's speaking when you go eat. His whole purpose, 
He will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all things that I have done what? So when we want to remember, I'll say it this way, his job is to teach us. And remember I said that when the Holy Spirit comes or when, when the voice of God comes, many times he throws his voice. I have people say, brother, when it feels like God's talking to me, I hear it in your voice. Well, that's understandable because God throws his voice. You may hear it from your wife. Guys, that might be God. It's just like I can hear my wife right now. No, that may be God throwing his voice. I can hear my husband right now. That may be God trying to speak to you, but you don't understand him because you don't know his normal voice. So God will throw it, but listen to me. When someone says, I know the Lord, or I know Jesus, the only way you can say that is that if the Holy Spirit has brought back to your remembrance the voice that you've heard from the beginning. If you don't hear my voice for 15 years, and then, then one day you're at, you're at Vile's Marketplace and you hear this voice, it's like, man, that voice is, I know that person. Well, what the Spirit does is His job is not only to show you all things, but to bring back into remembrance the voice of God speaking into your life. That's his job. More importantly than any other job that he has, he will bring to remembrance all the things that, who? Jesus says, I said to you. All the things that I said through my word, all the things that I said in the spirit, all the things that I've spoken to you, he will speak them to your remembrance. He's an essential hearing aid to be able to move and know what God is speaking in your life. Just like Scripture. It begins with Scripture. Everything has to bounce against God's Word. But then we begin to hear an actual voice inside of us that connects with us, but that is the Holy Spirit reminding us and bringing us into remembrance of where we should go and the recognition of the voice that once started and created us. Go with me in your Bibles to Hebrews 10, 15, and 16. Let me show it to you this way. But the Holy Spirit also does what? Witnesses to us. He witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart and in their minds. I will. So now notice we always pull that scripture out of context. We all say, well, you know, God's going to write his laws on our heart and God's going to. But now we skip verse 15. Go back to verse 15. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before. So in other words, that writing on your heart, that do, that's done by the Spirit. That's done by the Holy Spirit. His job is to write it, bring it to remembrance. His job is to walk, to teach, to speak into your life. To carve it into your heart, into your life, so that it becomes natural to hear his voice. And that's why people will say, well, God's always talking. Because once this happens, you start to hear him in every conversation. You can't turn on the news and hear newscasts and, and you'll think, oh man, that just rubs your spirit wrong. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Somebody can, somebody can say something, and it's just like, turn that thing off. That's just craziness. Why? Because everything that's written on my heart now is speaking. And it's causing me to have to, from the inside out, deal with the words that the Holy Spirit is speaking over my life. Let me show it to you one more place. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 2 and 12. 1 Corinthians 2 and 12. But we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things we have been freely given to us by... This whole job is to tell you what you have and what you don't have. Look at the person beside you and say, he speaks more than you realize. We, we, we keep showing up to Sundays like, man, I just hope the Spirit moves. <laughs> and I'm like, y'all don't get it. He's been moving in you all week long. He's been talking all week long. You just keep waiting for an experience when he's saying, that's, that's a great part of me. But my main job is to convince you of who you are. To speak my law into your heart. To tell you what you freely have been given. An emotion will last but so long, but if I can have that written in me, and if I can have that spoken in me on a continual basis, then I don't lose it. That's why people leave your church. That's why people leave the church. That's why people, and we get frustrated within two days why they've done been arrested. It's like they were just in the altar Sunday, and now they're in jail Tuesday. It's because they chased an experience with the Holy Spirit, but did not recognize His voice from that moment on. And until we realize that is his voice, that is what he's trying to do, then we're going to miss out on a big part of walking with and being in the presence of God. Number three, this will lead us into the next part. And it's also slippery waters because now we must move to number three, which is the prophetic. Oh, brother Lot. I know it's one thing when the Spirit starts talking to you. It's another thing when other people start telling you, I'm hearing from the Spirit and I need to tell you something. That takes it to another level. But go with me to 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21. Let me show you how important this is. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21. Here's what he says. Do not... Okay, so we just talked about the Holy Spirit. And what does he say? Do not quench it. Do not ignore it. Listen to it. It'll save you a lot of pain. It'll save you a lot of discomfort. So who in this room says, Brother Lot, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to quench the Spirit. I'm going to listen to the Spirit. Raise your hand if you're like, hey, I'm going to do my best to listen to the Spirit. Okay. You're, you're agreed. Next verse. Do not despise. Well, that stinks. He could have just left it right there. And then it just be me and God wrestling this thing out. But he says, do not quench the Spirit. I'm not going to do that. Well, then don't relegate, don't despise prophecies that come from other people into your life. Now, don't get me wrong. They have been abused. Every time somebody yanks you out up and says, you're going to be pregnant in two days, or you're going to do this, and you're fixing to get it. In. Don't get me wrong. There's, been some, there's the crazy that runs along everybody else. Some people just eat bad food before they preach. And it somehow just chemically, just they start thinking all kind of stuff. But we can't throw out prophecy because prophecy is part of how God speaks to us. 
Prophecy is how God sometimes speaks. When, when somebody is praying for you and they just say, look, I just feel like this may not sound like, but I'm telling you, God is impressed. And you start crying because you know God's been telling you that same thing all week. Prophecy is part of God speaking into your life. So, next verse. Test all things. Hold fast what is... So, so he says, let me give you some helpers here on this, because you are starting to get into deeper water. Test everything. Does it align with Scripture? Is it, is it okay with my spirit? Has my spirit already been, been saying this? I, always, I used to go back to Jerry Clower and, and love Jerry Clower, but, but Jerry Clower was a fertilizer salesman, and that was his job. He went to school to be a fertilizer salesman, and he, he would tell these jokes to the guys and help him be a good salesman. He would tell these jokes, and they'd say, hey, Jerry, tell me a joke. And he got so popular that he even went to the convention of the fertilizer company and all this stuff. And, and when he was there, they got him on the stage and said, Jerry, you need to tell some jokes. And Jerry's on the stage telling these jokes to all these guys. And somebody came up to him and said, Jerry, man, you need to cut a record. Now, this is back when you cut records, back years ago, real records, like just a record. And they said, you need to cut a record. He's like, no, no. He went back to work. It wasn't, but a few months later, he got a chance to do it again. He was on stage doing it and got off the stage and two other guys came to him and said, Jerry, man, you need to cut a record for this. This thing is awesome. I don't know if you ever thought about that. Well, Jerry had already felt that in his spirit. One person had told it to him six months ago and now two more had come to it. And Jerry says this very thing. He said, he said, I looked at those guys. He said, by the mouth of two witnesses. And Jerry went and cut a record. And of course, the rest is... Now, God didn't come down and wake him up in the middle of the night and say, you need to cut a record. No, he uses the voice of people, just the impressions of others. But when you're doing this, test all things. Don't just, don't just, every time you hear somebody, every time you hear something come out of somebody's mouth, or every time somebody feels like they've got something for you, be very careful. First off, it's going to be something that probably God has already started to impress upon your spirit. Something that you feel like, I need to be moving that direction. It may be you found it in Scripture. Maybe the Holy Spirit's already nudging you. And then prophecy becomes a more powerful thing. In fact, Paul would later say he would rather give one word of prophecy into someone's life than to speak all service in tongues. Because one powerful word of prophecy from somebody who is hearing from God, speaking into your life and says, hey, you need to do that can change your whole world. But when you do, test it and hold fast to what is good. In other words, whatever scripturally, if somebody says, I feel like you need to rob the bank downtown, that's not good. Just say, the devil is a liar. And just move on. The devil is a liar. Because, because you know, some boyfriend or girlfriend looks at you and says, I think we need to move in together. No, that's not from God. The Holy Spirit's not saying that to me. I don't feel that. You have to be able to wrestle through, because when you walk in these deeper waters, yes, it, it, there's some powerful words. Some of the most powerful words in my life came through other people and through other moments when, when I was struggling and God would send people and speak over my life. And I'm like, man, I needed that right at that moment. But at the same time, I have to test it. I have to make sure it fits what my life is calling me to. And I have to hold fast to what is good. Just because I want to do it doesn't mean God wants me to do it. 
And so all of these things have to work together when we're talking about the voice of God. The Holy Spirit and then prophetic has to come into our life. It has to. So does the prophetic take the place of Scripture? No. Glad somebody answered that for me. Glad you listened. No. Does it supplement and assert the word that already has been spoken over your life? Yes. That's what its job is. And so, do we chase prophetic words? Do we, do we oh, you know, there's a prophet so-and-so is over at so-and-so's place, and you want to go over there and listen to man, I'm telling you, he calls out people and does. No, I'm not going to that service. Bro, I don't chase prophetic. I'm not, I'm not desperate for a word. But in the right time, in the right place, if that word is brought by God, then I'm more than willing to listen. I'm more than willing to listen. Is this okay? All right. Because you've got to understand all of this when you're wanting to hear the voice of God. Because God is always talking. God is always, and we talked about how he's, he's, two things about God. It's loud and it's vibrating. Whenever we hear about God and God spoke and something shook and something, it was loud. And it was, when, when he comes back, guess what? With the voice and the shout of the ark, it's, it's going to be loud and it's going to be vibrating. Whenever God speaks, it's that way. It just looks different when it's reverberating in our world. Okay, so number four. Number four. When we start to uh, make our way into this, then we start to realize the next stage that we need, which is godly counsel. Godly counsel then becomes the fourth part of how we are to integrate or to work in. Go with me to Proverbs 11 and 14. Proverbs 11 and 14. Where there is no counsel, the people... Well, so let me explain this. You can, you can have the Word of God. You can, have, you can have the presence of the Holy Spirit. You can have all these things. But God still in all of this created the church and created people that you need to surround yourself with, at least three. Find three people that you trust their word and let them be counselors in your life. Doesn't mean they are here to tell you what to do. But there are sometimes I have... I have felt things, and I've gone to my, my, my pastors, my counselors, and I've said, hey, this is what I'm feeling. And I'll tell them, and they're like, mm, I don't think so, Tim. I'm like, man, it, I, but that's good. Yeah, it's good, but I'm telling you, you need to think about that. You need to think. They're not there to tell me what to do. That's not their role. You know why most people don't like to come to church? It's because you can't hide your junk. It's easier to hide your junk at home listening to a Gaither video feeling like you got it together than it is to walk into church and feel like, I just don't fit in here. How can you not fit in with family? How can you not fit in with the people you're going to spend eternity with? Let me explain. Because there's something about you that you know is sticking out. So he says, listen, where there is no counsel, you're going to fall. One of the greatest 
things the enemy needs is isolation. All he needs is isolation. If he gets you isolated enough, that's what he does to Jesus because he feels so comfortable. If I can get Jesus 40 days in a desert, if I can isolate him, I can trip him up. I can bring something that sounds almost good. I can bring something that feels almost good. And, he's going, and, and, and the enemy's strategy works the same way with you. He's going to do his best to isolate you and to say, you choose. You think about it. You sit here in this living room and think about it. You watch Oprah and decide what you think you need to do. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. There is safety. It doesn't mean they're there to tell you what to do. They're counselors. They're just there to hear what you've got to say and to tell you, yeah, that's a good idea. If we go back to like we talk about, hey, bro, Lot, I feel like, you know, me and my girlfriend, we, we, we've been together for a while and, you know, we can save more on our taxes if we move in together. We're still planning on getting married, but we're going to do this. You think that's a, Mm-mm. no. Now, they may hate my advice. They may still go do what they want to do. Like, I can't believe bro, Lot. Bro, Lot just don't understand. I understand. But if you have three or four people that are that, like that in your life, and all three of them say, no, 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 hopefully you've got enough sense to realize it's probably not them, it's probably me. So the Bible is giving you multiple ways to hear his voice. Now the question is, how many of them are you using? Well, I prayed about it. Is that it? Yeah, I prayed. I gave up breakfast for two days. I feel, like I, I feel like this is what I need to be doing. Really? That's it? You gave up Pop-Tarts for two days and you prayed. And you think you're ready to make a life-changing decision. Come on. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. There is a multitude of, of people around us which understand, which brings us to number five. Number five. which is confirmation. The idea that we have these counselors, these three counselors in our life, also uh, brings us into the understanding that there needs to be uh, a mindset. Because when we talk about Matthew 18, we hear that we're to agree with anything. This is where the church body comes in, where I can have people that will pray with me about something, that will hold with me about something, that will stand with me. They, are, they have the ability to confirm something in you. Because even no matter what it is that you hear the voice of God say to you, the the more larger, the more difficult thing, the more longer it's probably going to take to get there. So what you have to have then is multiple times you're probably going to come to an altar and you're still praying for that child. And you're going to get discouraged at times and you're you're going to hear bad news at times and times things are going to shake you up and it's going to seem to get worse before it gets better. And that's where God has built a church into your life. The church is not there just to, just to simply gather together and we all get to worship together. No, it is a time where God says where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst of that. And so what it does is it creates a powerhouse so that if you're struggling or holding to something of whatever it might be, then you have a group of people who are encouraging you, people 
people that are asking about it, people are saying, hey, how's so-and-so doing? Well, I, and you start crying like, oh, they're struggling. Hey, I'm just telling you, we're still praying about that. Just want you to know, we've got that, that name on the wall, and we're not giving up on that. Man, that makes me feel better. And, 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 and somebody walks up and says, look, can we just pray? Because some of the most surprising things that people ever do in my life is they'll come up to me and say, Pastor, will you be praying about this? And I'll just say, well, let's pray right now. And it's almost shocking to them. They're almost like, really? Like, right now? Yeah, because we, we need to know that we're confer- we are standing together in whatever it is that you're struggling with and fighting with. We need to make sure that you are, know that there's a group of people that is confirming you. There's a group of people that is encouraging you. There's a group of people that is walking with you. There's a group of people that God has called the church, the body, and you are part of that body. So all of this is the way God speaks to me. Now you can kind of see when you, when you look back and you say, you know, Pastor, how did you get here after 30 years? How did you get all the voices help propel you to where you want to be? The less voice you have, the more confused you stay. And it's amazing to me, it isn't just people that's, that's, that's on the fringe of church. It's pastors, it's, it's teachers, it's, I don't know what God wants right now. Well, man, there's, there's a lot of voices out there if you will have ears to hear. I had someone the other day came to the yard sale and, and that, was, that was what they said. Well, I walked them around and showed them some of the stuff that we're doing and, and they were like, oh man, I wish our church would... would. And, and, and I remember their church years and years ago. Man, they were, they were blowing and going. But a generation grew up and moved away. Or, and the problem is they need another voice. They need a new word. They need some, something spoken into their church, something their whole body can grab a hold of. It's not an absence of God speaking. It's an absence of what I really want to hear. And so God creates a body. God creates this body of believers. doesn't matter if you talk about great revivals that took place and in Pensacola or, or even in the 1800s or whatever, it always happens because a group of people come together. The WWJD that was done many, many, many years ago, that's a, that's a young adult group that got together praying, seeking God, and God gives them a word, just a simple word. What if we just did what God told us to do? What a novel idea. What if we just did what Jesus would do? In our newspaper, at our job. What if we just start a whole revolution? We're just going to do what Jesus did, said to do. Wow. That's, I mean, you could start a church with that. They started a whole movement that changed a whole generation. All it takes is a word. And many times it's within that church body that God speaks and confirms what God is starting in you. There's never a time that I, I, I make decisions and, and I'm like, well, I'm doing this and I know most of my church is against me. No. If we're not together, then there's no sense in doing it. If we can't confirm each other and, and encourage each other, I don't want to drag people kicking, screaming, talking about me on Facebook behind me. Then we've got to be able to do it together. Number six. Once you get past these voices, then there's another voice that comes in. And this is an incredibly mystical voice. It's an odd voice, and I, I don't know how to describe it, 
other than you just either have it or you don't. But it is a voice. Let me, let me show it to you in Scripture. Go with me to Colossians, Colossians 5, or 3 and 15. And let the peace of God rule in your... There is a voice that no matter what situation, circumstance, it's the one we love the most. It's built on all the things I've just taught you, from Scripture to the Holy Spirit to confirmation. to. But eventually, the voice that, that the world and others will notice... Because if you walk up to somebody and just say, you know, God's been talking to me. They're going to be like, okay. Like audibly talking to you. Well, I hear him in my spirit. I'm, they're, going to, they're going to think you're a little weird. But the world will understand peace. Let me say it this way. If there's someone going to be martyred, they're going to burn them at the stake as they did those in the early times writing, rewriting the Bibles and, 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 and all those different people. They're fixing to burn them at the stake. What are they expecting? Well, they're expecting screaming and, and crying and pleading for, and, and, and saying, I'm sorry, I did it. I won't do it no more. And what created their testimony and created the, the nail in the coffin was that those men women and others who stood many times would sing. How are you going to sing when people's lighting a fire around you? How are you going to just pray for them? Be praying openly. There's a voice that speaks to us that goes beyond anything that's even natural or scriptural. It is given straight from the throne of God. And it says that the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. It, it, it's, it's crazy because you can be in, in very stressful situations, difficult places that you feel like, I don't see how this is going. And you have no answers, but at the same time somebody says, you don't seem to be very worried. I don't know. I'm just telling you. I just got a piece about it. Something is speaking into my life, and, and whenever fear wants to rise up, there's a peace that speaks. The peace of Christ. Many of us have become experts at making our own decisions, then claiming that Jesus said it. So what we most of the time end up doing is we end up chasing peace. And, and, and we, then we'll turn around and, and ask the person, the very person that tried to give us advice, and they were like, do you think I did the right thing? You, you, you think I did the right? It always takes me back to a John Wayne movie. It's one of my favorite moments called Big Jake. Anybody watch Big Jake? It's a great movie. Well, the movie starts off with his son being kidnapped. I'm fixing to give you a spoiler. And Big Jake comes into town, his wife is in this room, and they've got this big chest. And it's got the ransom in it. It's, it's the ransom money. And it, he opens it up. He said, is this your decision? She said, yeah. 
He closes it up. And she looks at him. She says, do you think I'm doing the right thing? And I love how Big Jaggy says, that ain't up to me. You got to live with your own decision. And she gets mad about it. Like, well, I can't believe. Boy, she just goes off. Like, I can't believe. Because you realize at the end of the movie what happens. Because when that chest finally falls off and, and falls off the horse and it opens, there's paper in it. Not money paper. Newspapers. She never intended to pay that ransom. She made a decision that I am not giving them that. And if some of us are in that same boat, we, we, we kind of like, I made a decision. Look, look at my decision. And then when somebody looks at it like, okay, don't you like my decision? It ain't my decision. You're going to have to live with it. Because let, let's be honest. Let's, let be the, let's be the people on the other side. Let's not be the person making the decision. Let's be the person that has to deal with their decision. How many of us have had to have people come back to us, kids, situations, circumstances, and say, I did this. I need your help now. Isn't that a bad place to be? Because many times we don't do things with the peace of God. We chase the peace of God. Just like in Big Jake, she's chasing that peace. She's, I think I did the right thing. I think. And God says, listen, when you do the right thing and you have it lined up through his word and you have it lined up through his spirit, there is something mystical that takes place and it gives you a peace that goes beyond understanding. It's a peace and a joy that the world cannot grasp. They cannot, you can't sell it. You can't, you can't transfer it to nobody. Either you have it or you're not. You just know it's going to be okay. You know you're going to make it. You know we're going to get to the other side. You know it's going to happen. Go with me in your Bibles to Philippians 4, 6 through 9. I'll show it to you this way. Because the peace of God then is what arrests our feelings. Feelings are the, are the to an invisible God speaking a word into a world that seems to be totally contrary to what's being spoken. Something has to be able to speak to feelings. And I think we do the world a, a great disjustice. We have, we have created so much of church about feelings. Now don't get me wrong, I do not want to get to where coughing and everybody turns around and looks at you like you coughed. I do not want that. But what I'm saying is, we judge our church. Well, how was church today? Oh man, we had, I'm telling you, God just poured just like it. We had a church. Really? Is that what you judged it on? Be anxious for... Look at that person beside you and say, don't be anxious for anything. That messes some of you up right now because you've been talking all the way here. I'll, I'll tell you, I've just got this on my mind. I just can't help it. Well, just relax. I can't relax. I can't. And yet the Bible looks at you and just what he tells you. Be anxious for Nothing. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. I think the writer of this book was going through some pretty stressful things. He was in jail, fixing to be beheaded. 
Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So what he's saying is, is that when I come to God wanting to hear a voice, wanting to hear an answer, I come with an expectation that I'm going to hear something. I'm not going to be anxious. God, if I ask, he will give. If, if If I... Seek, I will find. If I knock, it will be open. He's already promised that, so I'm not anxious. God's going to show up at the right time, at the right moment, with the right word. So I don't have to be anxious. I don't choose my feelings. I'm choosing my ears. I'm not worried about what I feel. I'm worried about what I hear. From His Word, from His Spirit, from His church, from my counsel. And all of that creates within me, verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding then, because when you do this, this steps into the mystical. This isn't just something that's like, oh, and this is how you get this. No, you can't get this. It is in the moments when you choose to not be anxious and not let feelings overrun you. Maybe you have a child that's this, this wayward, and you're like, I don't know what we're going to do with that kid. You don't sleep at night. You, you, you're, you're always ill, and, and, and it's just getting to you, and it's everything. you got all this, and God comes along and says, would you like me to fix this? Yes, God, look how worried I am. Look how stressed out I am. Look how, look, look how I mean, you can tell how much I care. God says, you're doing it wrong. Well, no, God, if I didn't care... I wouldn't be like this. But you're still doing it wrong. You think by chasing me with your feelings, I'm going to give you my peace. That's why you can come to an altar and have a great service and then go back and a few minutes later that feeling comes back on you like, then you can't go back to the altar because you just told everybody you got it. That's really bad then. Because you just, you just went around the church like, I'm telling you, I got it. Praise God. God gave me peace about this. And then, But so many people chase peace. But peace comes because, go back to verse 6. Peace comes because I've decided to be anxious for. I chose that. I, feelings has nothing to do with this. But in everything that I have issues with and everything I have problems with, I'm going to pray and, and, and sacrifice what I feel I need to sacrifice in supplication of my time of fasting or whatever I need to do. And I'm going to give thanksgiving that God is going to deal with it. I'm just thanking God in advance. Letting your requests be known to God. And then this mystical voice that I cannot explain, but I have felt and heard a million times in my 40 plus years of walking with God. This voice that surpasses every other voice, this voice that rises faster than the debt, it rises faster than what the last person said, it rises faster than everything else, this voice comes crashing in. And in verse 7 it says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, you can't start with the peace of God. You've got to have word. You've got to have spirit. You've got to have all this. But this becomes the sixth 
area in which God comes into our lives. And notice what happens. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and, verse 9, if there, if there be anything praiseworthy, then from this moment on, meditate on... So to maintain the peace that God, to maintain the voice that's constantly coming in my life, I cannot hear the voice that says, be at peace, Tim. And then turn around and go watch something, listen to something, and put something in me that brings discouragement again. From that moment on, if somebody says, hey, I need to tell you something about your kid. Just keep it. You don't want to know? No, I don't want to know. Well, you're going to want to know this. No, I don't. Right now, I got peace, and I prefer to hang on to it. I done gave it to the Lord. I don't need to hear what's happened, because it may get worse before it gets better. I don't want to lose the peace I got. I've given it to the Lord, and He's given me peace about this. Therefore, I'm hanging on to it. Now, it could be, a multi, could be your job. Could be, could be a career. Could be, I'm, not just, I'm just using one illustration, but it could be whatever it is that creates anxiety in your life. I'm never going to meet the right person. I'm going to end up being a monk and shave my head and wear brown monk clothes all the rest of my life. I, I felt that way for years. Like, I'm, I'm getting older. I'm never going to meet the right girl. There's nobody out there. I'm just going to be alone for all of my life. Yeah, whatever it is, it creates anxiety. God says, bring it to me. Pray about it in supplication. Give me thanks, Tim. Go ahead and tell me. God, I know you're going to deal with this. I know you're. And let me know everything that's bothering you. And I promise you that I will speak over your life a peace that does not make sense. But you guard it. Because just as sure as my voice came in, other voices are going to try to press in. And you've got to protect that peace. Does that make sense? Okay. Number seven. Let me wrap you up. The seventh thing then is circumstance and timing. Circumstance and timing. And... and I really don't have one scripture for this. I would just urge you to read the whole book of Acts. Because everything happened the way it needed to happen for the church to explode. But I don't understand along the way Peter being in jail, James getting killed, all the all the chaos. Stephen, who was a great guy, didn't do anything wrong, getting stoned for preaching the gospel. I don't understand all the, the, the fluidity of timing and, and of all the things that still I struggle with in hearing God's voice, this is always the hardest for me. Because in my mind, I'm always about eight years behind where I should be. I'm like, man, we should be here by now. Man. I should, be, I should be doing better than this. Anybody ever do that about their life? When you make a mistake again, you're like, man, I've been, I've been going to church three weeks. I should be doing better than this. Man, 
man, I'm, just, I'm thinking about quitting. It just ain't working. No, understand timing. I, I got to pray with a guy today, and, and it's just a process. He has some physical ailments. He, he still has an addiction he wrestles with, and now it's starting to cause some problems. And, and I got to go check on him today and pray with him. And I don't understand. That's the part that I don't understand is the timing. Like God, right now, this is the moment, right? Just, just, just. And we prayed and hugged his neck and it was all good. And I walked out of the room and it's still that, okay, God, is, should I mention this to him? Should I, should I press this on him? Should I, should I have told him, hey man, you may die. You need to get God. You need to get this. Did I, did I do everything I was supposed to do? And sometimes Hearing the voice of God means that God can go through long stints of being quiet because at the time, there's just nothing to say. Even though He's talking all the time about everything, it may not be specific to something you're wanting. And that's frustrating. Moses would say, I understand. I thought I had His voice right. I was going to help all these people get out of bondage killed a few guys finally had to get away to where I could hear his voice God would later say of Moses Moses is special why because I talked to Moses face to face that's the same Moses he couldn't get a word in edgewise when he was 40 Moses won't listen to nothing I say Moses killing folks but this 80-year-old man now who notices a burning bush and if I tell him to take his shoes off, he's like, oh yeah, take my shoes off. Whatever you say, I've, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. Moses says, I wasn't in control of the timing. God can have everything right, but it takes time. And for some of you, that is going to be the biggest battle, especially when you're young. It's like, God's got all this stuff for me? Yeah. When? When He gets ready. <sighs> I think I'm just going to take what I can get now. You're going to mess up. You're listening to the wrong voice. God will open the right door at the right time. The Bible makes a promise. and He says He opens doors that nobody else can open. And He closes doors nobody else can close. I'm going to tell you something that ain't in there that they should have rode underneath it. It's in the Tim Lott version. He can open doors that nobody can open. He closes doors nobody can close. And every one of them's got a time lock on it. And it's not going to open until God says, it's time, let me open it. And he says, it's time, I'm closing it. There's some doors he opens and some doors like Noah, when they got on the boat, I love that part where it says, and God closed the ark. We think Noah closed the ark, but no, the Bible says, God, it's time. And the rain starts. And the hardest thing you're going to have to deal with, with all the other voices that you walk through, you need all of those voices speaking to you. Trust me. You need every one of those voices speaking to you because the timing thing in our human life is always the struggle. Waiting and believing that that voice was true that was spoken to me 10 years ago or 3 years ago or 
that I can still hold on to it today. God has not forgotten. And so for whoever you are in this room tonight, I hope with all of my heart that you have good hearing aids. I cannot improve your hearing. There is no prayer I can pray to you and say, from this moment on, you're just going to hear God good. No, God has given you hearing aids to help you in the process that makes the voice that He speaks all the time louder to you. Jesus spoke multiple times to the Those who have ears, let them hear. Those who have eyes, let them see. He would constantly say that. Because he understood that many times he was talking to people who could not hear anything he was saying. If you're in this room tonight, the height of your life and everything you want is the ability to hear his voice. Get good at it. Get good at prayer. Get good at Bible reading. We'll be recapping this on Sunday mornings at 930. If you, if you still would like, man, I'd love to talk about this more. Because this is one of those, those parts of life you need to be as educated, as understanding as you can because you need to know the process. Always big about the process. There's a spiritual side to life and then there's a process side. And this is one of those that God will not shortcut. God says, I've given you the hearing aids. I started off by telling you all about my dad. My dad... Died not hearing anything anybody said. He, he went to have his ears checked years ago, and the doctor told my mom, she said, he said, you know he can't hear. And she just kind of looked at the doctor. And she said, he's been reading lips for years. He'll, he'll just make sure he's looking at it. And if he doesn't exactly know what you said, he will just look at you and just kind of, yep, 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 that's right. If you knew my dad sitting in out there, he would do the same. You knew this because he'd be sitting on that couch just looking out like, like and you walk up to him, oh, I miss Pastor Lott or Brother Lott. Hey, it's so nice to meet you. And, and he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Good sermon today. He didn't hear nothing you said. He just knew to change the subject. And the crazy thing is, is that sitting beside his bed were hearing aids. They were sitting right by his bed. The only problem was without putting them in, he couldn't hear all that was going on around him. He never got to hear some of his grandkids' voices. He never got to hear. He would hear the, the rumbling, but he couldn't make out. And I think to myself when God speaks to me, he says, Tim, that's not what I want for you. I want you to hear me. Not just be in a room where you hear the vibration. Like, oh, yeah, I feel God. I want you to hear my voice. I want you to hear me speak to you. What's your next step? And, and in those places where you're just scared and you don't know, let me speak peace into that life. Whoever you are in this room, there's so far I can go. And, man, I love our services. I love our worship. I love. But as your pastor, what worries me and what. I pray far the most is when you walk out these doors, can you hear him? 
Can you hear him when you're flipping the channels and what you should watch? Can, do you hear him when you're flipping the radio station? Do you hear him when you turn on the news channels? Do you hear him when people are talking on Facebook? Do you hear? There's so many voices out there, and I, and I pray. I pray that his voice is the loudest voice you got. Because Paul warned Timothy, he said, Timothy, in the last days, people will turn away hearing and listening to words that sound a lot better. It won't be a lack of God talking. It'll just sound so much easier to do it this way. And so much, and he said, people will turn away because they don't want to hear. And I pray for you every day that you don't get caught up in that. If you're in this room tonight and you say, I need to work on my hearing, then I pray that as you walk out tonight, you will make that a purpose in your life. You will, Before you go to bed, open your Bible and let God speak. You're just like, well, I don't hardly understand. Just, just get a version you like. Listen to it on you radio or whatever they call that thing on your phone. Uh, you Bible or whatever that'll read to you. Do, do a commentary on it for whatever you got to do. Work and understanding. Pray and, and don't just talk when you're praying, giving this big list to God. Be quiet for certain times. Say, God, I'm just going to be quiet for a while. And just, just speak to me. Get used to listening. Get used to listening. And you'll get used to succeeding. Will you bow your heads, Father? God, I love these people. They are choice people. They are great people. But they live in the same world I do and everybody else does. And there's so many, so many voices. The enemy has done such a great job from the thing we hold in our hand to what's in our house to all of this. And I'm not saying get rid of all of this stuff. I, I, I appreciate the technology and the information. But God, if we're not careful, we get so many voices that we don't hear you anymore. And I pray that God, maybe we'll step back a little bit. Maybe we'll just, just give you some more time, give you some more effort, give you, not for you to talk more, but just for us to hear better. That we go to church and we listen. That we find counselors that speak into our life and give us good counsel. That we listen for the prophetic when it comes by, when somebody speaks or we see a sign that's got a scripture and it just speaks to us. You're talking all the time. And I pray that we'll hear it and be transformed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go give that old devil fits. <laughs>